This is Sustainable-ish with me, Jen Gale, and it is great to have you here. Listen in each week and I hope I can brighten up your day and leave you feeling inspired and excited about the magnificent human being that you are and the power that you have to create a better world. You won't find any expectations of eco-warrior perfection here. There's no obligatory tree hugging. You won't be judged if you drive a car, wear leather shoes, or eat the odd pack of Haribo every now and then. I'll be sharing my own gems of wisdom for sustainable-ish living, and I also relentlessly scour the internet for people doing amazing things to tackle the big environmental issues that we're facing, and I hound them until they agree to come on and inspire us all with their fabulousness and the positive change that they're making. So sit back, listen in, and get ready to change the world one baby step at a time. Hello, welcome to Sustainable-ish, the podcast that's like a London bus, nothing for ages and then two come along at once. I've actually got three or four episodes for you coming out in rapid succession, clearing the decks, ready for a brilliant mini-series for Organic September, which is going to be starting next week, fingers crossed. Before we dive into today's episode, I wanted to just quickly let you know about a brand new spanking thing I'm doing, the Knackered Mums Eco Club, which is a low-cost annual membership for knackered mums who want to do their bit, but maybe are feeling a bit overwhelmed with all the plate spinning they're already doing and can't face being bashed over the head with the big green judgy stick if they don't do things perfectly. I think we all know the stick I'm talking about, right? There'll be a virtual clubhouse. I'm envisaging a slightly shambolic space with questionable decor, a well-stocked bar, stacks of comfy sofas and tea and coffee on tap, where we can congregate, we can whinge about our kids, we can commiserate about the fact that someone's just left a massive skid mark down our newly cleaned toilet, and we can get inspired and motivated to be a bit more sustainable-ish, because as well as the wonderful community of other people who just get it, There'll be monthly themes and checklists, because who doesn't love a checklist, ideas, tips and group calls each month with me and a guest expert. So what is not to love? Come and join us as we create a movement of knackered mums changing the world at the same time as changing nappies and crusty bedsheets. We really can do it all. There's a link with all the details in the show notes or just drop me an email on jen at sustainableish.co.uk and I can send them over to you. Right then, today we're talking all things carbon footprints with the amazing Johan, who is the co-founder of Geeky Zero, a carbon footprinting app. Jo and her husband created this amazing site where you can go and you can measure your carbon footprint and then get nudged and inspired with some suggestions of actions to help reduce it. And what I love about Geeky Zero is that it allows for a fair amount of nuance, something which seems to be lacking a little in the world in general at the moment. In the past, when I've used carbon footprint calculators, it's been really useful to get a rough idea but then the only way it felt like I could see it shrink was if I did something really big like gave up driving or moved to a smaller house neither of which are particularly feasible at the moment. Geeky Zero on the other hand 
allows you to put in a much more granular level of detail and you physically get to see it shrink on the screen in front of you, which in my world is very, very exciting. Joe's going to be answering the big questions like, what the hell is a carbon footprint anyway? Why do we need to know? What's the UK average? What does it need to be if we're to stand any chance of turning around this great big juggernaut that is the climate crisis? Just the little questions then, hey? So do try out Geeky Zero. I will pop a link to it in the show notes. Do let me know your geeky score and your carbon footprint. You can screenshot them and share them with me on social media where you'll find me at Sustainable-ish in most places. And enjoy. Catch you next time. Hi, Joe. Welcome to Sustainable-ish. Hi, Jen. It's really nice to be here. We have done one before, haven't we, for Geeky App? I'm sure we have. We have, yeah. I'm, I'm having a lucky second opportunity to talk <laughs> to you because it's, it's always such fun. You can tell I'm not one of those people who has that, um, you know, oh, on an episode, blah, blah, blah. We spoke to Jen. <laughs> like, we have spoken before on that. <laughs> we did. I think it was probably a year or a year and a half ago. Oh, God, probably far too long. Yeah. Anything pre-March feels like a decade ago, doesn't it? <laughs> Another life. <laughs> So let's kick off. Let us know who you are and what you do. So I'm Jo Hand and I'm a co-founder of Geeky and Geeky stands for Get Informed, Know Your Impact. And we set it up because we were so struck by the fact that most people in the world do not want to cause climate change or Mm -hmm. pollution or uh, endanger wild animals. But unfortunately, many of the ways that we live today do have an impact on those areas and actually if we could try and help people understand what we can do as individuals in terms of our lifestyle to help avoid climate change and protect the environment then people really do want to do that and it's just about helping people know what to do. Amazing and when you were on before we were talking about because you've got kind of almost two little branches now haven't you to Geeky so we were talking about I don't know how to differentiate them. Do you geeky badges? Is it exactly, exactly geeky badges and geeky zero? So geeky badges is the supermarket scanning app, which lets you check your UK supermarket products on how sustainable and healthy and ethical they are, and then suggest alternatives. And geeky zero is a website and a web app that we launched in May of this year, and. That is designed to help you fully understand your whole lifestyle and your environmental footprint across everything that we have direct control over and then find ways to reduce it. It's also about helping people build their own kind of personal path towards net zero, which is where we need to get to in not a very far, not very far in the future. Right. There's about a billion things I want to unpick out of what you just said. <laughs> but first of all, like, what's what's your background? How did you end up here and, and going down this route? So I, I started out actually as a journalist in, in when I left university and I worked in newspapers and then also in TV at the BBC and at Channel 4. And I went into journalism because I, you know, in a, in a sort of wonderfully sort of naive uh, approach that you're, you're, you benefit from when you're much younger. You know, I really <laughs> thought it could make the world a better place. Um, and, you know, journalism obviously plays a really important role in many different areas. But uh, I decided in my 30s that I wanted to do something that was kind of more hands-on. So I went to work for a climate change charity oh, called wow. CEP, where we, we work with companies on carbon footprinting. And it was a really innovative approach because it used the power of 
big investors who invested in big companies to encourage those companies to measure and then reduce their carbon footprint. So it was, it was very innovative in, in its time. And now it's a global organization that's done a really great job on encouraging companies to think more about carbon emissions and you know, behaving in a, in a way that's more inclined to protect the environment. So that was where I kind of learned about carbon footprinting and, and the depths of, you know, the many, many, many decisions that we, we can make as individuals or as organizations to reduce our carbon footprint. And then I had uh, kids and, and stopped working at CDP. And then when my youngest started uh, at school, along with my husband, James, we launched Geeky because we just felt, you know, people really do want to do something they want to know what the right thing is to do and there just seemed to be so much more information that could be provided that mm. was going to make it possible for people to to know what the right thing was to do yeah and I think that's a massive part of it isn't it like people exactly as you say people want to do something but they're not sure what to do and what will actually have an impact and all those kinds of things so you've you've already mentioned two different types of footprint and I really want to simplify this or de-jargonize I guess this mm. as much as possible as we can for people so you've talked about um, I think the very first thing you mentioned was an environmental footprint and you've talked about a carbon footprint mm. um, so let's start with carbon footprint because that's a phrase I think that lots of us uh, are used to hearing but maybe like say it very quietly we're not entirely sure what it means can you can you explain what a carbon footprint is and and how that applies to us sure so i think the the, the whole kind of climate change awareness was initially described as the greenhouse effect mm -hmm. and it's now evolved into being talked about as, as climate change but there are what are effectively or were called greenhouse gas emissions which mm -hmm. are so there are various different gases that are emitted into the atmosphere as a result of lots of different activities, some of them natural, some of them caused by humans, which cause this change to our climate. So the one that we hear about most is carbon dioxide, mm -hmm. which is emitted as a result of, you know, turning on the, the engine of your petrol or diesel car, getting in an aeroplane, mm -hmm. Uh, there are lots and lots of different ways that carbon is produced, but the, the, one of the biggest ways is by the burning of, of fossil fuels, you know, oil, gas, the, the, the you know, things that we dig out of the ground to, to fuel our uh, engines. Mm -hmm. So that's carbon dioxide. But then there are other greenhouse gases like methane, for example, which is actually much more concentrated than carbon dioxide and that is produced in lots of different ways but I think the one that we hear about most is uh, cows and animals <laughs> belching and when they belch they belch methane. Mm -hmm. So these various different greenhouse gases are put into a sort of catch-all basket called you know greenhouse gases and they are measured in terms of carbon dioxide equivalent so mm -hmm. that they're all measured in terms of one unit which is right. a carbon dioxide equivalent so and that's just almost for ease of instead of having to constantly say greenhouse gases or um exactly. like that's just kind of a name for ease of of communication almost exactly that's right and and ease of measurement as yeah. well that so you've got them all in one one unit yeah. you know a comparable unit and actually uh, so a carbon footprint is effectively how much greenhouse gases or carbon dioxide equivalent 
is emitted as a result of a particular activity mm -hmm. and that could be the particular activity could be just me being alive and how much of these gases I, I produce as a result of everything I do in my life. It could be a company. So what's the carbon footprint of a company? So that would be, let's take a school, for example, any organization. So that would be all the energy that's used in the building. So the heating, mm -hmm. any cooling, you know, water, etc. Uh, any of the food that's used as part of the, the operations within the school. Um, if you'd want to go a bit wider, it could be the travel that's involved in, you know, school trips and those kind of yeah. things. So, so that would, there, and there are various uh, different elements of measuring an organization's footprint, depending mm -hmm. on how broad you want the scope to be. But the, that would then enable the organization to then understand, you know, potentially where, where there's scope to make reductions. And, yeah. and, you know, countries have carbon footprints. It's just, you know, a, a form of measuring the amount of gases that can cause climate change that are emitted by any type of entity or any type of activity. So how do you physically measure what the carbon footprint of an activity is? Like, so if, you know, there's somebody there with a ruler or a, a balloon or like, how do you measure the, the emissions from a particular activity? Well, there are hundreds of largely academic and scientific studies <laughs> that have done exactly this. And, you know, the, the internet is a wonderful place where you can find a lot of this information, although, you know, it's not always the easiest to read. Um, so, for example, there's a, there's a very renowned academic at Oxford called Joseph Poor, who's done a huge amount of work on the carbon and broader, you know, environmental impacts of food. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's a very involved um, process, of what, what, which is called, it can, it can, it depends on, again, how deep you go in terms of the analysis, but there's something called a life cycle analysis, which basically gives you the carbon footprint of, you know, let's say uh, the sausage and mash that you that you might decide to have for lunch. And it would look at every aspect of the production through to the disposal of that particular product. So, you know, for a sausage, for example, it would be thinking about, okay, this came from a pig and the pig was fed a certain type of food. You know, that food might be, you know, it might be a pig that was fed on soy. That soy might have been grown in a... Uh, an area where there was forest that was cut down to grow the soy that then goes into the pig the pig gets fed for you know i think quite a short period of time then there's the processing once the you know then the, the preparation of the meat itself being turned into a sausage mm. then there's the shipping of the sausage to the processing center if it needs to be packed yeah. where it's been made then it goes to the retailer to get on the shelves then we buy it we take it home we hopefully eat it rather than throw it out yeah um, and then that so that whole process you'd measure each element of that and it would give you what's a life cycle analysis wow. basically the carbon footprint of that you know of a sausage now you know some of the the studies are hugely detailed some of them are more meta studies but I mean it's amazing how this area has has really you know come on in the last five ten years yeah. and, and there is a huge amount of information and even some companies although very few so I can think of two which are Oatly the the oat milk company and corn mm. they actually put carbon footprints for their products now on the labeling but that's that's extremely unusual 
I can understand, like just listening to you say that and all the different um, things that need to be considered, like why companies might not do that. Because, you know, if you're making sausages, you then have to look into what each particular farm is feeding their their pigs and where mm. they're getting that food. But, you know, like, oh, my God, like my head is starting to kind of explode just even thinking about that. And I guess that's why when it comes to carbon footprints, a lot of it does become really quite generalized because to get a really accurate carbon footprint for like my lifestyle or my my home, I would need to sit down with like an academic boffin for like a week probably or more, wouldn't I? Like digging into exactly what I, what we were eating and where we were driving and where our car had come from and all those kinds of things. It's, it is kind of mind blowing, isn't it? Yeah, I think that's right. And I think also because of the length of supply chains now, Mm. you know, as you say, it's very difficult for a retailer to know what that, you know, what the source of feed was for all the meat that they're stocking on their shelves. And there's not, there's just not the mechanisms at the moment because Mm. it hasn't really been a priority for that to happen. Now that may change as you know, we as consumers and, you know, individuals, members of the public start to ask for more transparency. And it's obviously definitely a big move in that direction. But getting that kind of level of information just really hasn't been a priority up until it's beginning to be now. But it's, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's quite dense. (laughs) So, so carbon footprint is basically, um, it can be for an item or a a food or an individual or an organization or a country. And it's basically the amount of greenhouse gas emissions that result from that organization person activity. Exactly. Exactly. Now the other one you mentioned was environmental footprints. Is that the same or is that different? If you imagine a big circle environmental footprint would be the biggest circle Uh and then within that uh, smaller circles one of which would be carbon footprint another one could be your water footprint Uh another one your plastic footprint yeah and you know as we become more aware of all these different issues they you know each one has its own impact on the environment but obviously environments are kind of catch-all for every impact that we have on you know our natural world Mm. so um i talk when i um do like coaching with people or when i do any of my courses i get them to do like a um we call it a sort of sustainable-ish wheel and or a a pizza or a cake and it's this Mm -hmm. this sort of big circle and then we cut it into into slices or pieces and exactly as you said that so we'll we'll look at um you know like food and fashion and things like that but i guess we're looking at this whole pie of uh, in the environment and then the slices of pie are carbon and water and land use and biodiversity and and all those kinds of things which which are really important to consider as well right exactly yeah I think exactly right and you're right you could you could cut your pizza up in terms of areas of our lifestyle or in terms of impacts on on the environment and actually mm. that yeah so the areas of our lifestyle is lo- looking at it from how we see our lives um, looking at it from you know biodiversity climate change p- plastic pollution is looking at what the impact of the decisions we make in our lives yeah. is you know what the end results are in terms of impact so kind of maybe somebody's listening to this podcast and thinking okay like so now I kind of get what carbon footprint is like how do I know what mine is which leads us very nicely hopefully onto geeky zero so how how do we go about measuring our carbon footprint like do we have to sit there with a balloon and think about what the pigs eating and (laughs) what do we do 
thankfully not. I, I used to work with this wonderful um, guy at, uh, well, in my previous role who we still work with uh, at Geeky called Paul Dickinson, who said, you know, you need, basically need a PhD to go shopping. Yeah. And, and, you know, there is a bit of that. You know, it should be a lot simpler than it is. But in terms of measuring our carbon footprint, so we've uh, we've built geeky zero which you can access free online and you can use it on your oh, phone as well yeah, i'm going to pop that um link into the show notes for everybody oh thank you uh and the principle uh, of geeky zero is to help you understand and then find ways to reduce your environmental impact and we we really aim to make it as easy to use and hopefully fun and and you help you learn new mm. things in there and so in terms of actually giving giving you some information on your carbon footprint we all, it's also very clear that you know some of us love filling in lots and lots of information and mm-hmm. some of us just want a super quick I'll answer a few questions but yeah. that's enough and then give me tell me what I need to do yeah so when you first sign up we ask a few simple questions so that we can give you a, an estimate of what your carbon footprint is mm-hmm. based on those questions and then we show you how that compares to the UK average yeah and and more importantly how that compares to where we all need to get to yeah. by 2030 to have a good chance of stopping temperature rise at one and a half degrees which is a kind of key key uh temperature threshold that scientists say that we really need to work towards to avoid climate change you know becoming totally out of control so that's the first element but then lots of people really love filling in more information so then you can go into the footprint section and and within that you can actually fill in either an an estimate or Mm -hmm. actual specific data which might be you know your meter reading or exactly what you eat every week yeah you know exactly how many flights you're going to take and where you're going to take them to or exactly what breed of dog you have and (laughs) what what the dog's footprint is because we didn't want to forget sometimes the most important member of the family yeah and then that then the more information you put in then the more accurate your carbon footprint becomes and that's one of the things that I really love about um, Geeky Zero is one of the frustrations I've had in the past is probably if people have, have sort of Googled or um, used Ecosia, uh, which is a more environmentally friendly search engine to, to, you know, search for carbon footprints. The World Wildlife Fund has a carbon footprinting, um, mm-hmm. carbon footprint calculator. And one of the frustrations I had with that was that I'd sort of put it in, but it didn't really allow for much nuance. It didn't allow for the only way I could see any big chunks come off it was if I got rid of a car or I went from flying five times a year to not flying at all. Or, and it felt quite frustrating because, you know, I bang on a lot about the, the power of these small changes and things, but you don't see any difference. You can do all these small things. You can have meat free Monday. You can um, have a car free day once a week, but it makes, you know, nothing was budging. And I- <laughs> Yeah, I think, and I think that's a really good point about the small steps because actually some of the steps. So there's definitely, you know, the the more small steps you do, and you see them kind of mounting up in terms of of how they impact your carbon footprint. And some of them have a direct impact, you know, like you know, driving fewer miles mm-hmm. or you know, flying less. But s- some things that we do, 
have a broader environmental benefit, you know, like picking up litter mm-hmm. or choosing to go for a walk in the countryside rather than go shopping. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there are lots of choices like that that we can make that have a have a broader environmental benefit, but may not necessarily feed directly into yeah. a dramatic reduction in your footprint. And that's the challenge that some of it's quite nuanced in mm-hmm. terms of because protecting nature is, is quite, you know, it's quite complicated, mm. I guess lots of different ways to do it but um you know there are lots of small changes we can make and then there are a few bigger wins but I think it's definitely it's definitely really important to start somewhere because and actually what's also really interesting and really promising is that when we look at the kind of path that people tend to take within Geeky Zero is when they first sign up people often start with some of the easiest steps so Mm -hmm. one once you've measured your footprint, you can go into the step section and find over a hundred steps in there that you can then um, you can sort them out at or filter them on how easy or difficult yeah. they are and the impact on the planet. So it means that you you know if you decide okay I want to start with some easy stuff, then just select the easy peasy yeah. area. You might start with them, but then actually people then are more inclined once they've once they've got the hang of a few of the easier ones to start going for some some of the more challenging ones which tend to have a bigger impact there are also a few like for example if you just eat um meat and dairy and fish once a day rather than you know actually if you think about it probably it's very common to eat it three times a day if you have butter butter and milk at breakfast yeah. you know, cheese or ham at lunch and then i don't know whatever for dinner chicken yeah. or something um actually if you just reduce that to once a day that in terms of a step has a massive impact on the footprint of your diet so and when you think about it that's the sort of habit change a bit like mm. me monday that when you, it takes a bit of sort of thinking about okay well what would i have instead yeah but actually once you've done that you know for breakfast for example you'd have milk you know uh, some sort of um you know oat milk and yeah uh, some sort of spread that's not uh, that's that's not got dairy and I'm mm. a big peanut butter fan and then you know for lunch you could have you know well it's easier at home you can knock up a salad or something and some beans bread. on toast exactly exactly <laughs> the favorite with the kids yeah. that's for yeah. sure I love that one there's lots of things that we can do that take a bit of tweaking but actually then once you get into them they don't feel really any different to what you were doing before yeah and that fits really nicely with the whole kind of ish bit of sustainable ish like when you know yes obviously you know if everybody was um these amazingly perfect vegans that would be um (laughs) that would have the biggest biggest impact no one's arguing with that but actually as you said, just a few little tweaks with a couple of meals a day or with one meal a day and, and that then you can just, just start to build on these things. I don't know if it is actually a graph, but somebody referred to, I think, during the festival that there's this sort of graph of effort in that the, the first step is kind of, it goes massively up like it's a real big sort of hill to climb almost mm. in terms of for that first step and then, it, you know, and then the sort of effort level reduces and so those quick wins, those easy wins are really important I think for getting people started yeah exactly I think that's right because actually there's something that everybody can do what really whatever our lifestyle mm. or whatever our budget is and and I genuinely believe that a lot of these changes are also you know they make firstly you feel better because you feel you're doing something yeah constructive and useful but secondly and equally important I think a lot of them actually make your lifestyle better and I can you know genuinely say hand on heart since we've made a lot of changes since we set up Geeky and and I think our life's a lot better as a result because mm. you remove some of the excess choice you, you you eat a lot more home-cooked food which yeah. is 
tastier and better and much cheaper and it's yeah there are just lots of lots of advantages that you that you wouldn't necessarily think would be there until you start doing it yes yeah those kind of unintended consequences I guess yeah, exactly so carbon footprints you talked about you know we look at what the average UK carbon footprint is what yours is and then where we need um, to get to by 2030 hmm. what is the average UK carbon footprint around nine tons per person per year okay. in the UK and that covers so that that measurement covers everything that we have direct control over and there are sort of different ways of measuring which which we can talk about but that that's sort of that covers our day-to-day lives and why do we see sometimes see different figures quoted I think um I'm gonna get it wrong um the guy who wrote how bad are bananas I always get Tim and Mike Berners-Lee confused <laughs> both very very well known yeah. Mike Berners-Lee uh, yeah. brother of Tim Berners-Lee he I think he he talks about 10 quite a lot doesn't he as as an average carbon footprint and then I saw something earlier on this week looking at a carbon offsetting um site that somebody had sent me to look at and they talked about five tons of carbon as that's interesting so they it does change actually the average changes uh based on on different factors which you know defra produces um annual data and in terms of what are called conversion factors which Mm -hmm. is getting into way too much detail but they so it does change depending on our energy mix and you know how much coal's being burned how much gas is being burnt how much renewable energy is being used but that you know that's that's a sort of small change i think there, there are lots of different figures because it depends what you include. I think so, I'm just remembering now that this one that said it was five said they took the the country's footprint and divided it by the number of people in the country. That's interesting. Yeah. So the way that we've done it is actually look, we've built it from the bottom up. So we've looked at a typical UK diet mm-hmm. and looked at what those elements, what the carbon footprint is of each of those elements and looked at, you know, the average amount of flights people take. And yeah. Then, so we built that bottom up and then we've compared it top down from the uh, against the um you know the uk average per capita yeah. data that comes from the government but what's interesting about a lot of the measures is that for so for example that that five tons i, I think it's likely that that wouldn't include goods that we purchase yeah so i was just about to say that because uh, am i right in thinking that a country's carbon footprint doesn't include all the stuff that we kind of import so we're exactly. basically sort of um offsetting our carbon footprint going god look at china that's awful whereas actually they're making all the crap that we're buying and a exactly. lot of that their carbon footprint kind of should be ours really exactly that's exactly right and then but then at the other end of the spectrum there are also things like you know the nhs and mm. defense and government spending which we don't include because right. either that's not something that we have direct control over sure. but then that in terms of our per capita footprint if you're looking at more holistically you know those that 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 can also be included yeah. so it so there so there's a sort of whole spectrum of which bits do you include you know from the sort of broader state the role of the state in terms yeah. of running the country for us and then as you said the 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 good, all the goods and services that we purchase that come from abroad that we yeah we, we say that's not really mm. our footprint when as you say yeah it is and I guess ultimately it kind of doesn't obviously it does matter but it doesn't really matter like it's it's an arbitrary number right we're looking at nine or ten and what we're looking at is how we can reduce that number down 
but for us as individuals it's it's giving us a number that we can start from and work with and look to reduce so kind of the the nitty-gritty of it can be argued about by the academics yeah I think that's right and also as you said you know a lot of it is estimates just because the date the Yes, the granularity of the data is is you know getting better and better but like we said at a product level you know there's very little product level data so you know a lot of the information is based on incomplete data sets um but you know even if those data i mean there's no such thing as a perfect data set but even if they were more complete you know there are so many variables Mm, yeah they actually in terms of the aim which is you know to try to stop climate change and protect the environment there's amply sufficient detail to enable us to know what we need to do and that's really what sits at the heart of it heart of it yeah definitely we can tie ourselves up in knots kind of trying to find the perfect footprinting system or something but actually we just need to crack on and and start reducing it um so right scare the crap out of us where do we need to get to by 2030 (laughs) if we're at nine now so we need to get to per person to two and a half tons per person. Um, Ten years. Yeah. 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 When you talk about this, this two and a half ton lifestyle, mm. how feasible is that for the average, you know, Joe and Joanna in the street? Yeah. So I would say, so we've been really, really delighted to see that some people are already at that level and some people are even you know lower than that and so there are a number of different ways to get there that I think definitely reducing is best because Mm -hmm. um, you know there are lots of changes and choices that we can make to our lives that that do really make a difference and there's one that I just keep coming back to particularly when we're in holiday season so we looked at the carbon footprint of a holiday in a five-star hotel versus the carbon footprint of going camping Mm -hmm. and that's in this country yeah exactly Mm -hmm. not only obviously is the camping a lot cheaper but it's also the five-star hotel has 18 times the carbon footprint wow camping holiday so if you look at that that's that's an extreme um example of the difference but you know every little decision we make and some of the bigger ones really do make a big difference so in terms of kind of two and two and a half ton lifestyle looks like I would say it, you know, it totally depends on everybody's situation because if mm-hmm. you live in the country, you're needed. Yeah. If you live in a small, well-insulated flat in the town, mm-hmm. but it, it would mean minimal, likely mean minimal flying, mm-hmm. you know, not too much, not much driving or driving with an electric vehicle or, you know, super efficiently. Yeah. Uh, it would mean, a, you know, a, a diet that is, you know, not yet the opposite end of a meat heavy diet yeah good insulation does make a massive difference not having a home too hot makes a big difference I'm surprised how even one degree reduction in the thermostat can actually take quite a big chunk off your energy bill yeah energy bill and your you know carbon footprint associated with it going green energy you know using a 100% renewable energy uh, electricity company that's a massively easy win and definitely worth doing as technology improves you know as renewable energy for example is now the same price as as all other electricity so that makes it much easier you know that the charging points for electric vehicles are you know the infrastructure there is getting way better the mileage per you know that that you can drive in an electric vehicle now is much 
much easier. I think the second-hand electric vehicle market is now much more yeah. sustainable than it was. So a lot of this is made easier by developments in technology. And you know, we, we're given more choices as individuals when these new things come, become available and become more affordable. And you know, hopefully that will really help mm. nudge us much more effectively towards that, that two and a half tons without all the heavy lifting needing to come from us. Yeah. Um, but there, but there's, you know, there's no doubt that the, you know, for example, in the UK, we buy over 30 pieces of clothing or footwear yeah. each every year. And you sort of think, when you think about that, it's like, what benefit does that actually really bring us in the grand scheme of things? Yeah. So there's a, there's a combination of infrastructure needing to massively improve. And, you know, hopefully we're on the right path for that, but also sort of broader framing of how we see you know what the best ways are yeah. to advance our life are and you know probably realizing that buying 30 or 40 pieces of clothing and footwear each year probably you know isn't really very life enhancing for us or yeah for our and I, I think um I can't remember if this is the exact start I would need to check it but I I think I've remembered reading that the carbon footprint of the the textile industry so the fashion industry is is twice that of aviation and we all kind of um, are like oh flying bad uh, we kind of feel guilty about doing it and that sort of thing but actually clothes we all wear clothes that's got an impact twice that of aviation and you know could could we shop a little bit less maybe like, yeah. <laughs> um, that's a, a really powerful thing to do I think I think that's right and the great thing is so much of this actually does save money as well yes. so I think there's sometimes often been an assumption that if you want to be eco you've got to you know spend a lot of money on it yeah. I, th I think because so much of it actually is about just reframing what we think we actually need, mm. um, then it's, um, it, yeah, it can make, that can make a big difference. And I think hopefully one of the, the things that we might take away from lockdown and things was that that was a period of time that forced us to stop and to slow down and to do some of these things without almost to be forced to do some of these things like to consume less because we're not kind of mindlessly going and spending Saturday shopping or we're not popping into town and then buying all these X, Y, and Z things. And hopefully we've realized that it wasn't actually that bad. We didn't, because I think when we think about, Oh, I've, I've, someone's told me I'm not allowed to buy clothes. Like it, it, it feels, it conjures up these images of sort of deprivation and austerity and hair shirts and mm. martyrdom and things, but actually like it wasn't that bad, was it? For like three months, not buying as much as we normally did. I like. Hopefully, we didn't all miss it that much. Like, and maybe we can just start to to tune into that a little bit more, a bit more of this kind of conscious consumption rather than this very unconscious um, consumption that we we're kind of all driven towards by all these messages we get from from society and from um, advertising and things like that the other thing I wanted to say about that two and a half ton footprint was you were sort of saying that and I was like oh oh god I, I, oh that doesn't sound that attractive to people but or that feels like maybe a big a big ask or a big stretch but nobody's asking us to do that tomorrow or you know the hope is that we move to arrive at that point in 10 years time none of these things have to be like boom, you can never fly again, you know, you know, in 10 years time, we're hoping that everyone will be flying quite minimally and very thoughtfully. In 10 years time, we're hoping that everybody will have rethought, I guess, their, their, their diet, and it will be much easier to have less, less meat and dairy and all those sorts of things. So in the one hand, we've only got 10 years. And on the other hand, we've got 10 years, guys, this is okay. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And also, 
to your point about lockdown and what we've learned from it, you know, a lot of travel is business travel. Mm. And the one thing that it has taught us is that actually you can keep working and you can keep in touch with people and you can have, you know, really useful discussions on, you know, virtually Mm -hmm. in a way that, you know, in the pre-lockdown, people would have been jumping on a plane left, right, and to go and have a, you know, meeting here and a meeting there. You know, hopefully that will change permanently because business travel is, you know, loved by some, but disliked by many. And, mm. um, and I think, so they'll, they'll, you know, hopefully be some fundamental changes that will make a difference, you know, more globally. And I, I totally agree. It is gradual. And I don't think any of it, it's not in, in our nature to, to change dramatically, very quickly, unless yeah. we're forced to by, you know, external circumstance like lockdown. But actually, you know, most changes we make in our lives are gradual and that's how we get comfortable with them yes. and start to embrace them. And I think the other thing as well that um, that we can also do while we're in that sort of period getting to 2030 is, you know, we can't reduce everything immediately. And what a lot of people are choosing to do now is, you know, try and give back to nature in some way. So supporting, you know, biodiversity growth, yeah. and, you know, supporting tree planting and reforestation and, you know, prevent, there's the World Land Trust, which, and, and I'm sure many other organisations like them that protect vast swathes of rainforest from yeah. being so you know that protection of nature is also you know the kind of the positive giving back as well yeah. it's another way and we've got within geeky zero tree planting section. yeah i like that and, and i was amazed because i bought the family um for christmas uh, an acre of rainforest with the world land trust oh, great. and um and you put that in and whoop your score goes right down i was like oh i'm nailing <laughs> well that's what's really amazing because trees are currently by far the te- best technology that that is up and running and existing yeah to absorb carbon i mean they're just really good at it and yes. they have all sorts of other benefits as well so actually you know working with the wonders of nature to preserve it is uh yeah sort of win-win and yeah it, it's i agree it's quite surprising the impact it has on your footprint yeah in january i launched um my sort of six weeks to sustainable-ish course and one of the brilliant women who came on it Liz I'm, I'm sure she won't mind me saying she set herself a target at the start of the year to halve her carbon footprint coming from a place of not really you know being worried but not really doing a huge amount not really knowing what she should do and she, she will admit she's been helped by lockdown but she's not only smashed that she's halved her carbon footprint she's actually been able to be effectively, you know, net zero because she's then been able to afford to offset the other half. So she's taken loads of amazing steps to kind of get that far. And I just think like, that's, that's amazing. Like, you know, she can do that. She's just had a baby. She's got her older toddler. She's working. Like, do you know, I just, I really want to get her on the podcast to interview her because I think it's really, she's like, Oh no, you know, I haven't really done, but I think that's hugely inspirational. Yeah, I agree. And I think so much of it is just looking at things from a different angle. And, you know, like when you've got a baby, you know, I got really into eBay when when, I, when we had our kids. I get all their clothes on there because you feel the sense. It, it's nice to yeah. feel that, you know, these clothes are being used again and again because, you know, they only fit for about six months. Yes. And it's like you don't want to you know, get rid of them then. So it's there are so many ways that we can just do things differently but that are equally good and Mm. the impact is much less yeah so I'm going to put you on the spot now Joe what's your carbon footprint 
Oh, I think it's about, uh, I think it's about three and a half tons. Wow. I still got a bit of work to do. I think I need to do some more tree planting, but, um, you know what it's like, the more you find out about this stuff, the more you think we could do that and we could do that. And and it's definitely gradual, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, I can genuinely say that it hasn't had any negative effect on, you know, in terms of quality of life. Yeah. Uh, and it just means you do things differently. It does take time, though. It definitely mm. takes time. And um, it's not something that happens overnight. And I think the other important kind of reframe, if you like, on this is that when we talk about, so you, you described what this two and a half um, ton life might look like. And we think an awful lot about the things that we're going to lose as a result of that. We think about, well, we're going to lose um, maybe foreign holidays or as many foreign holidays. We're going to lose the flexibility to just jump in the car whenever we feel like it. We're going to lose um, tucking into meat five times a week or whatever. But we forget about like what we've got to gain. And like, you know, we are reaching a point now where like, unless you want to have a, make a few little sacrifices somebody somewhere not too far down the line is going to have to make a shit ton of sacrifices and is going to be in a, you know, an awful position. So, you know, there is that kind of, let's be the grown-ups about this and let's kind of do a little now to save a lot in the future. And I, I wonder maybe whether we don't talk about that enough. Like, yes, yes, you know, it's a bit inconvenient to have to do X, Y, and Z, but Jesus, guys, come on, we need to do this. Mm, I think you're right. And I think that's where the youth movement has been so amazing about really shining a spotlight in a totally different way to the way that the science community, who by their nature, you know, scientists who've been talking about climate change for 30 years, they don't do it in a sort of dramatic way. They do it in a very dry, mm, measured way. Yeah. And then the youth movements come along and they've said, look, the science is this telling This is my them. life you're yeah. cooking up, yeah. Exactly. And I think yeah. um, as humans, we're, we're, we're kind of short-term by nature yes. and it's really hard to project into the future and what it might look like and what the effects might be. But we're starting to see that just, you know, in kind of snippet terms of the heat waves that we're having here mm. and you know, food shortages that happen, you know, more and more frequently globally and, uh, you know, water shortages, which have always been a challenge in certain parts of the world, but, you know, that we're seeing that getting worse and, you know, movement of people where as regions become less habitable and you can't grow mm. food in them anymore and all of these things that, you know, we, we kind of see play out on our TV screens to an extent and yeah. is, is a sort of glimpse of what things could be like in, mm. you know, in sort of, in Technicolor in, you know, in this century, if we don't do something about yeah. it. So it, but it, it's not, it's really hard as humans. It's really hard. We don't project that far in advance. And, yeah. and COVID's shown that we really, you know, when, when we have to, things change really quickly. But the, the, the challenge with climate change mm. is by that stage, it might be too late to do anything about it. And it is really hard. And I don't know, you know, I can only talk from the perspective of, of a parent, um, but you want your kid to have the nice things. You want your kids to not be singled out and to have the same as all the other kids. And to, um, you know, my, my eldest is just starting secondary school and, you know, he needs, it's not just he needs school shoes, he needs um, trainers and he needs indoor trainers and he needs astro mm-hmm. trainers and he needs rugby boots. And he, you know, and I'm just like, whoa, but like, I want him to have all those things because I don't want him to be the kid who's being picked on because he's not got all these things. But, you know, in the same way, we had a 
like a heartbreaking conversation about a, a year ago or so we were talking about could we have a kind of once in a lifetime trip to Australia and then I was just like guys I don't know hands on heart if I can I, I, I would adore to take you all to Australia I would adore for us to go to Australia and have all those experiences and see all those amazing things but on the other hand I know that that's going to have a massive carbon footprint and that's going to have an impact further on down the line but my kids don't want to know that oh I'm doing the right thing for you in 20 years time in 20 years time you'll thank me for this do you know like they're like yeah. I want to go I want those shoes or I want those clothes or I want to go on this holiday and you know my son was like well everybody in our class goes abroad for holidays and like we go camping in our caravan do you know like it's really hard it is really hard and I think it's to that point that um we were talking about earlier that there's this sort of assumption that the volume of stuff that we buy and do is is now what you need to have a good life in mm. you know all the stuff that the that kids need at school now is way more than they yeah. used to need you know you need as you say like endless different things that kind of look the same to me it's yeah. like oh, I have to buy this one and this one they look the yeah. same and yeah. there's and that's all part of the sort of general ethos of society that we need lots of different stuff More is better yeah yeah that kind of serves the same purpose yeah and, and that you know a holiday in australia is automatically better than a holiday in i don't know yes germany i mean it's so embedded in the way that we think now yeah that, so it's as much challenging those assumptions of what a good life is and yes. what a a contented life is um yes yeah 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 and that's kind of I guess where it becomes I was talking about this on one of the podcasts with um Livy Livy Drake and we were talking about plastic and she was saying how um you know single-use coffee cups like in Germany they don't have such an issue because in Germany everybody sits down to have coffee mm. whereas here we've bought into that very American kind of busy 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 got to be on the go can't be seen to stop got to get my coffee on a takeaway because I'm really busy and I'm really important and um do you know and so then it becomes a, about more than just a, a, a disposable coffee cup it, it becomes about society and how we live and how we want to live and and then I think at that point I just go oh I, I can't unpick society like I don't I don't know what to do now and you know it's yeah that becomes almost like another level of responsibility or like it, yeah difficulty <laughs> it's really fascinating though how um school children and, and probably university age children uh, adults um view things we always do little interviews with lots of different people actually just to sort of try to understand what you know what what people think and what, mm. what motivates them to change and I met a bunch of girls who were 17 and I think about half of them had decided not to drive not to wow. sorry not to learn to drive yeah. because they thought it was too environmentally destructive and I was like wow wow this is a new mindset I could and not wait to learn to drive <laughs> exactly and I mean they did live in London so you know uh, it's okay yeah 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 I mean in the countryside you kind of need a car but it was really interesting to hear how you know just in a generation yeah you know things can move very quickly in terms of our assumptions of what we want to do and how we want to do it and you know we're already seeing how younger generations now want to work for companies that, that yes. go beyond just profit in a way that you know, I'm in my 40s and that was never something that really factored for most people no. when we thinking about what job we wanted when we, when we first were looking for work. So, it, you know, things do change quite quick. Hopefully that momentum will continue. And But it is, yeah, I mean, so much of it is about reframing. Mm. 
just quickly back to that two and a half ton number. So if, if we can reach a point where the average UK carbon footprint is two and a half tons, that will put us in line with this IPCC report that came out in 2018, was it talking about the, the difference in impact between like one and a half and, and two degrees? And, and that would keep, hopefully, you know, be a big chunk towards keeping us at or below one and a half degrees, would it, of rise? Exactly. So there are various different scenarios of likelihood that, you know, if we follow this trajectory on a graph of, of carbon emissions, then we've got a, you know, two thirds chance of being uh-huh. below that, you yeah. know, temperature rise at that at that so one and a half degrees so exactly it's following that 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 likely trajectory and obviously that needs to happen globally so thankfully you know there are lots of people doing lots of different things in lots of different parts of the world and and you know in some countries people already have a footprint yeah you know in europe and the us and and um and australia and you know other wealthy nations it's way way higher yeah how optimistic do you feel that we can do that I think you have to be optimistic when, when you when you work in environment. Otherwise, you don't get up. Yeah, yeah. I think. Look, I think the technology is all there, and definitely you see things improving. Um, you know, fairly quickly. So, electric vehicles are a good example. Mm-hmm. You know, most or more and more companies are producing them. The infrastructure for charging is getting better, and you see that you know happening. You know, month by month. So I definitely think, I do feel optimistic because I think there's a real desire from the public now to sort this problem out Yeah, where, you know, policy hasn't really delivered in a way that it could have done so far, although hopefully it will. And, you know, the politicians haven't prioritised this globally as much as it should have been prioritised. Mm. Um, and businesses, again, you know, there are some, there are some really good businesses who produce products in a sustainable way but there are lots that have still got a very long way to go on that Mm. that needs to be addressed and you know and but we as as the public we are sending stronger and stronger messages to both businesses and to politicians that we need to sort this out and we shouldn't underestimate that I think the power of us as individuals and you know talking to other people about it and and spreading the word (laughs) something that we can do something about and actually you know the world could look very different and could look a lot better there's this great film called 2040 that i watched the other day have you watched it? i haven't watched it yet i want to i want to try and set up a screening actually a sort of virtual community screening yeah it's good because it's really positive and it shows you you know how things could be and it's Mm. you know fun and um you know so i think yeah i am optimistic but it it ain't gonna happen um incrementally anymore yes yeah 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 so, so if somebody's listening and they're like, okay, so I'm going to go on Geeky Zero and I'm going to measure my um, carbon footprint, what are, I don't know, three things that they could do that will really see, because one of the things I love about the, the site is you go on and you, and you sort of, as you say, you do your sort of broad estimate and then you go on and you put in your, some finer details and things and you, you like it, you physically see it moving and that just makes me so happy when I see it. Um, so what are some of the things that, that people could do that they could like physically see this thing shifting down? I would say the, the, the no brainer to start with is definitely go for a hundred percent renewable electric yeah. company. That is just I mean, we've talked to quite a lot of people who've done it. I think it ranges from anything from 15 minutes to about an hour to do, and it doesn't cost any more. And no. that's so definitely that's a good one. And if, some people, because I did a big campaign in September, and people were saving like 300 quid, 
there's a brilliant switching website which I'll put in the show notes called um, Big Clean Switch. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you go there and you just have a bill and you put it all in. You can do it in an ad break. You can do it from the sofa. Um, you know, you pick your pick what you want and, and you switch. And as you say, it's, it's a complete no brainer because once you've done it, it's done and it's done for forever or until you switch again. Exactly. Yeah. And then another, another one, which this one is only if you're, I think this is one that people tend to do when they've done quite a lot of the other stuff. Yeah. Uh, look at your money. So look yeah. at where you bank, uh, look at your pension and look at any savings or ISAs or anything like that that you might have, because we did some, some uh, analysis around, you know, a regular high street bank account. And if, you know, when you put your money in the bank, you know, your salary goes in or, or you know, whatever, then of every hundred pounds held in your average high street bank, about two pounds of that is invested in fossil fuel companies. No way. So that's actually, you know, sorting out your bank account and, and your pension and yeah, any savings, that's, yeah. a, that's a really big win. Um, There's um, a new organisation or, or project called Make My Money Matter. Yes, exactly. And, yeah, they're great. Yeah. And they're talking and they're, they're, their big push is to get everybody to either move their pensions or to encourage their their pension to divest from fossil fuels so to stop investing in fossil fuels they one of the um sort of stats that they put out is that moving your pension um away from fossil fuels is 27 times more effective than i i can't remember what it was giving up dairy and driving and something else and something else it was quite mind-blowing like how effective it was as, a, as something to reduce your carbon footprint so and, and that's something i think we we forget about and we we think a lot about how we're spending our money and we forget about what our money might be being invested in if we've got pensions or um you know lucky enough to have any savings or as you say even in, in our current accounts so um that's a big thing isn't it yeah it is exactly and yeah and through through make my money matter you can actually go in they're running a campaign at the moment and you can go in and um send a uh note directly that's through right the- yeah your pension provider saying look it is possible to get to net zero in your in in your investment so do it yes yeah and there's another great website that somebody shared with me called um switch it and i can't remember if it's switch.it but you go on there and you you from the drop down you pick whoever your bank is and it and it tells you their rating and so it's quite like you go on there and some of the high street banks you put you know you put it in and it's like terrible you know Oh God. And then it kind of, you know, it helped, it points you to some better ones and helps you to switch and things. But that was quite an interesting exercise to go in and to just, um, you know, put in a couple of different ones and see what they come up with as well. Yeah, no, exactly. And then in terms of other ones, I mean, definitely reducing flying, you know, that has a big impact. And it's not because aeroplanes are particularly inefficient. They're actually not in terms of, you know, the fuel they burn to, to move such a massive piece mm. of across the across the seas um it's just the distances that they travel um so they so that is a is a good good one and obviously easier at the moment Um, and then red meat is another one in terms of meat uh red meat has by far the highest impact much higher than chicken and and pork Mm -hmm. Um, so if you if you're sort of thinking of dabbling with uh you know changing your diet a bit reducing red meat or you know if you're making a stew just put mixing in something yeah. else you just use a bit less and that's um yeah that 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 has a big impact brilliant so it's the four biggest things move your energy to renewable energy have a look at moving your money both your current account your pensions and um any savings and interestingly i um on that one i know we've 
talked a little bit about it but that I did a one of the festival sessions I think which I'll link to in the show notes with um, Becky from Good With Money my understanding was that you know if you had a most of us have got the bog standard company pension if, if we work for a company they when you start there they say do you want our company pension and you say yes because it's dull and it's boring and you don't want to think about it and I thought you were kind of then stuck with them but apparently you can say to them um you know who is my pension with you can do a bit of investigation find out what their portfolio is what they're investing in if you're not happy with it you can say can I can I move my company pension to these guys and you're quite within your rights to do that apparently I hadn't realized that so energy money decreased flying and again like it people get very passionate about sort of defending their right to fly almost, don't they? So, you know, if, if, if you're someone who flies a lot, can you take one flight less this year? Can you, or can you only do like one holiday flight this year and have out one holiday in the UK? I know this year is very different, but um, do you know, and just think about cutting it down incrementally rather than like, I'm, I'm a bad person if I fly, like I can never fly again. It's that kind of gradual weaning off, I guess, isn't it? You know, we, we might be, you know, in the in the long distant future, there may become a much more um, sustainable way to fly in terms of the technology evolve. Mm. I mean, at the moment, there isn't really, but um, technology can deliver all sorts of amazing uh, solutions. So it's, yeah, it's, 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 um, it's, you know, until the industry manages to find something that, that is not so polluting and doesn't yeah. carbon. And also, I think um, I talked about this with Anna from um, Flight Free 2020 and, and the fact that, you know, we think we associate going abroad with flying, whereas there are actually quite a lot of relatively easy ways to get abroad and to get down to some more reliable weather on the continent without having to fly. So you can go on the train, you can drive. Anyone with kids will laugh at me saying this, but trying to view the journey as, as a bit more part of the holiday rather than purely getting you to your destination. Exactly, that's right. My kids love going on the train. It's Did a I? Real adventure. Yeah, mm. I, we haven't gone on the ferry yet, actually. But I, but I think I know people who've taken the kids on the ferry, and they absolutely love it. Yeah, I'm quite up for. Um, you can get the ferry to Holland, can't you? And and then there's all the cycle paths and things around Holland, and there's also apparently like a centre parks in Holland that you can go to quite easily and stuff. I think that'd be quite fun on the ferry as well. Exactly. It's just about yeah, seeing it in a different light. Yeah. Amazing. We could chat all day. <laughs> um, but where can people come and find Geeky Zero and um, get a start on their carbon footprint? It'd be really fun if people are listening to this and they um, go on and do it and then maybe tag us on social media or something, let us know what their, what their carbon footprint is. That'd be quite fun. So where can people come and find you? Do, that would be great yeah, it, so it's if you just put in zero.geeky.earth you will get there and um and yeah there is a social share on 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 the uh, score so you can just oh, brilliant that. yeah it'd be great because it, it would be great to inspire others as well to just start thinking about these things in a way that they can personalize for them and i think that's really important and, and i think that's something as well that we can that we shouldn't forget that we as individuals in terms of talking to other people and yeah. Our, you know friends and colleagues about you know what we can do and why why it's important yeah I think we're really guilty or certainly I am of, of shying away from having those conversations because you don't want to be like that person but <laughs> I'm I'm realizing more and more that I talk a lot about the you know the power of our choices but the power of our voices as well and it actually 
you know, social media is perfect for this because we're not forcing people to engage with us. If they don't want to engage with what you've put, they just can just scroll on past. So, you know, if you go, oh, guys, I switched my energy supply today. Like, it wasn't a ball ache. It, you know, it saved me some money. Here's a voucher code. You just never know what little ripples are going to spread from doing that. And like I say, if you go on and you do your score and you, and you share it and you go, oh, I had no idea what a carbon footprint was and, you know, if mine was good or bad, but this is what it is. Why don't you have a go? And we can get into a little competition to reduce it and if we can normalize this as much as possible and also I think if we see messages or we see things coming from people who we don't see as green I think that's almost more powerful because there'll be a proportion of people who like Greta or David Attenborough someone will say something and they'll just zone out because they'll think I know what they're going to say not that interested whereas if I talk a lot like Stacey Dooley did a documentary about fast fashion and, and it was yeah, it was on primetime telly. You wouldn't expect her to be banging on about green stuff. She came at it from a very, um, I, I had no idea about this. I'm as shocked as you guys are about it. And that was almost more powerful than coming from somebody who you would expect that to be coming from, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. And, and that is also the great thing about this growing awareness driven by the youth movement and you know extinction rebellion as well in very different ways that lots of people are thinking about it who make it kind of cool and um, mm. aspirational in a way that it, you know 20 years ago it definitely was <laughs> <laughs> um two very quick questions about the the um geeky zero am i right in thinking that you you do it in kilos rather than tons Yes, exactly. Uh, so a uh, thousand kilos is a ton. Exactly. Okay. So, so like we'd be looking at an average score of 9,000 kilos. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. That's yeah. fine. That was just my little maths brain not working there. And you also have the, a score, don't you? So do you have a carbon footprint and a score? Yeah, exactly. So the reason we created the score is that, as we've talked about earlier, not everyone is fully, you know, engaged and embracing the notion of a carbon footprint. It's not something that sort of, when mentioned, makes you jump jump out of bed. <laughs> so we created the score, which shows you. Uh, it said so the score is based on your carbon footprint, but also on the steps that you've decided to to work on mm -hmm. and the steps that you've completed and okay. so it shows how you're progressing and if you hit a thousand then you can give yourself a really good pat on the back for your for your eco credentials that's a really good score so we're aiming for low carbon footprint and high score exactly okay yeah. cool brilliant fabulous thank you so much so zero.geeky.earth to um to go on there and to um and it's quite simple, isn't it, to set up an account and to just get on with it and, and get that estimate going. Yeah, let's see how many people we can get, get doing and sharing their carbon footprints. That's really exciting. Great, Dan. That's really exciting. It's great to talk to you, as always, Jen. Brilliant. Thanks so much, Jo. Thanks a lot. ish you wonderful sack of loveliness with me jen gale hopefully we've fired some neurons and we've got the old gray matter thinking about what changes you can make in your life this week to live that little bit more sustainably do let me know what that is i love to hear about the changes that people are making big or small every single one counts if you've enjoyed the show and i hope you have 
do hop over to iTunes to leave a comment or a review and then the bots at iTunes will cotton on to just how awesome it is and it will show up in more people's feeds. Or at least I think that's how it works. Thanks so much for listening. I will catch you next time.